When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. I'm delighted on this Friday afternoon to be joined by James French. It's been a couple of weeks since we've seen you, James. Um, how have you been enjoying the return to domestic football and, of course, the Champions League football that we've seen this week as well? Yeah, listen, I think um, Rogers Ball probably last few weeks built up a bit of hype with the, the kind of victories and performances. Um, a team kind of... Obviously, new signs and stuff, and it's kind of really starting to gel now. Um, Palma, obviously, really came into the limelight last few weeks. And, yeah, listen, Atletico Madrid the other night was really, really impressive. Um, probably one of the best performances I've seen from a Celtic team in Europe in the modern era, from my own standpoint, anyway. But, um, yeah, I think, really, I think we kind of hit a, it was a real turning point, the game at Ibrox, that win. And I think since then performances have just kind of just upped and up and then Atletico Madrid the other night was kind of a real climax for um, Rodgers and his team. It's a good way to look at it actually James. I think when Rodgers came in and he's inheriting a, a side that's already successful, you're inheriting a side that you know they've won five trophies in two years. It was a completely different scenario that he's walked into there than first time round and also than the scenario that Ange walked into where there was, uh, you know, big changes required in terms of the the philosophy, the approach, strategy, style, and and I, I think a lot of Celtic fans thought, right, Rogers comes in, let's not change too much, let's just strengthen the side. But I don't think he approached it like that. He has changed the approach. He has changed several uh, players' identities almost within the unit, uh, and we'll be talking about some of that. And I just think it's taken a wee while for all of that to come together. But I think you're right in what you say. We got. Um, hints of it against Kilmarnock and against Hearts and then it all seemed to come together the other night albeit it wasn't without fault and uh, it also wasn't without uh, casualties because Rio Atate picked up an injury I want to talk to you all about the game uh, all about other issues around Celtic at the moment um, there seems to be a, a toe-to-toe going on at the moment between the club and some sections of the fan base which is going to rage on I'm pretty sure um, Fabrizio Romano talking about Matt O'Reilly always worries me, big warning signs there um, and we've also uh, got some of the tactical changes that Rodgers has 
uh, made the other night that he was criticised for and what your thoughts are on it because I think they were good changes. And also, I want to talk to you about one of your favourite subjects, Liam Scales. Um, you were talking about things climaxing and coming up to a peak. Every game that we come to, and you and I have spoken about this before, people are waiting for Scales to make a mistake and then get replaced in the team. I'll tell you what, see the other night, he was our best centre-half the other night, James. Yeah, listen, um, I think I'm Liam Scales' PR team at this stage, um, the amount of talk about him, but <laughs> listen, um, I think, again, the other night he was absolutely brilliant. I, I'd say listeners are probably sick of me talking about him, but um, I thought him and Carter Vickers really kind of kept Griezmann, one of the most informed players in, on the continent at the moment. They kept him relatively quiet for his standards. Um, obviously, Morata got the goal, but um, I thought for the majority of the game, I thought they really worked well together and they're really starting to form a partnership, which is nice to see. Um, in terms of Liam, I thought, obviously it was it was excellent the night, but he probably made a few more errors than he usually would and probably some of them went unpunished. You're coming up against Atletico, which is one of the best sides in Europe. I think you're kind of, there's going to be a couple of errors just kind of the way it is. That we're, we're, we're trying to play out from the back against one of the best sides in Europe. We're trying to be aggressive and it's just something that's going to happen. But I think um, them kind of mistakes kind of went unpunished and we just... Uh, yeah, he was just really, really, really solid for the whole game. And I thought that the back line as a whole was um, really kind of came together. And like, it's we're not used, Celtic aren't used to, especially Rogers side, we're not used to kind of sitting in and having to dig deep and really dig out a result. And I thought we really did that in particular, obviously, Carter Vickers scales, but Johnson and Taylor as well. I think people obviously point to Taylor for the penalty, rightfully so. He's been caught and it's a harsh penalty, but he, he does get caught and give away the penalty. And it's it's another one where we do we do we need a, another replacement that left back? It's a question that's kind of been asked since the the end of um at the end of last season. Do we need a, a investment in that position? But I think yeah, defensively the other night we were really really good. And Liam Scales again, um, the man of the moment in terms of uh, in terms of uh, our performance as a whole. Yeah, he definitely was. And there comes a point, we've seen it with the, the evolution of Tony Ralston, um, the rebirth, the resurrection of Tony Ralston. There comes a point where you no longer start speaking about, you know, when's he getting replaced, who's coming in to replace him. You then accept, and it's something you said a few weeks ago, you accept that he's in it for the long game. And uh, scales, I just think, uh, you know, challenge by challenge, he is stepping up to the... He's definitely stepping up to the plate. He spoke about the game against Feyenoord and how obviously he knew it was going to be a step up from what he's used to. And I think now, with three Champions League games under his belt, he's starting to look more comfortable. Um, You're talking there about some of the other uh, defensive uh, players that we have who are playing week in, week out. What I want to ask you though, James, is in terms of the centre-half position, and at no point would I be suggesting that it changes, where are we with the eight centre-halves that we've got because there needs to come a point, there was an emergency, there was an injury crisis, we had to go into the market. We had already bought Novroski and we bought Lagerbjerg, we also brought in Nat Phillips. We have retained Liam Scales, who might have left the building in the, in the pre-season otherwise. And obviously, we're going to have Stephen Welsh back from injury soon. But we do also have other players in there as well, Awata and Kobayashi. Now, my suggestion is, once we get to the... The January transfer, Nat Phillips will probably go back to uh, Liverpool. And once we get to either January or the summer, we will move on 
Kobayashi. Um, Lagerbelk's not been playing either, though. So how many centre-halves do you think it's safe to run with here? Is it Have we basically had our fingers burned and we keep five, or do you think it's safe to run with four? Yeah, I think... Probably modern football nowadays. It's I think it's kind of four centre halves. You you have rolling at the on the on the team at all times. And um, I think obviously Scales Carter Vickers are kind of first choice at the moment, deservedly yeah. so. And um, Naraki, whether he comes back into it or Lagerbelt, maybe it's kind of all kind of questions that we can't really yet be answers until we we see kind of mistakes from um, both centre halves. You can't really drop. You can't drop Carter Vickers, and you're not going to drop scales unless he kind of uh, has a poor performance. So um, it's it's kind of a curious situation because obviously we had that massive injury crisis at the start of the season. Obviously brought in Phillips. He's kind of taken a while to to get sharp. Obviously, I don't think he was involved in a single match day squad for Liverpool in pre season. So he was always going to take a while to kind of get up to speed. And it's it's Lee Scales has kind of looked better than Phillips, which is surprising to me. Kind of now Phillips come from Liverpool, you're expecting you're expecting them, um, you're expecting big things. But I think for me it would probably be Carter Vickers, Scales, Naraki and Lagerbeck at the moment would be the four. But even a guy like Stephen Welsh, like I think a lot of the Academy players um in the first team at Celtic kinda of get a bit of a raw deal at times. Um mm-hmm. Mikey Johnson, Ralston Welsh, I think people don't really have time for them and I think Stephen Welch is was really is a really really good prospect in my opinion and he just needs game time and I love to see him get a move in January you see Boston Lyles at, at Fleetwood in League One absolutely mm-hmm. thrive and got his first professional goal um, the other night it was a cracker and uh, he's doing really well for the Irish 21s as well so like there's it's like Scales going to Aberdeen he got consistent game time he just came back we've seen that the pathway is there if we get these guys out on loan to either Scottish Premiership teams or, or teams over in England and I think that could definitely be the case with Welsh even Kobayashi who myself I'm probably not that sure on but he needs a move and he needs game time and he's he's come from Japan obviously and he needs to he needs to get accustomed to Scottish football which is a, it's a big um, transition coming from Japan obviously but um, yeah I think Cameron Carter Rickers and Scales are kind of undroppable at the moment Naraki I really like to look at Naraki and I think he should mm-hmm. be given a chance to come in and impress um, when he's able to but for me yeah, the four four centre-backs would be definitely Carter Vickers Scales Naraki and uh, Alagerbelk who I think is probably he's still quite raw but he's he's shown glimpses of what he can do I think he has that potential to um, become an important player for us obviously got his first goal for Sweden so there's a yeah. lot of potential within um, our kind of centre-half situation um, so yeah it's, it's exciting times really for, for our centre-halves no, it is because I think your unexpected uh, person, the unexpected individual within that is Liam Scales. And as you say, it's not just for backup. He's the guy that starts the games at this moment in time. What did you make in that Phillips's performance? I was fully praised for him. And it will take us on to the actual tactical change that Brennan Rodgers made at that time. But I felt that, you know, we've seen enough the other night from him to know that he does have that defensive quality. I'm not too keen on going forward. Um, I, I think he's much better at just winning headers, winning uh, tackles. And his passing, his distribution, uh, and the range of his distribution looked pretty impressive as well. Um, however, because of the situation that we're in, James, um, I, I do think it's very much a short-term deal for Phillips. But were you impressed with him the other night? Yeah, I, I thought... He was he was solid when he came on. Like he 
obviously has that European experience, which is um, it's going to be crucial to any any Celtic side in Europe. Um, obviously, with the turnover we kind of have every summer, we need guys that have played in the competition before, and he's really kind of useful for um, for that extent. But yeah, I was I was impressed with him. I think he obviously adds that bit of steel to that um, back line. Rogers obviously uh, switched to the back three, which um, kind of got him a bit of flack, but. I thought it was it was the 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 they're a complete right move. Like I think anyone who kind of criticised them going to a back three is kind of looking at it really naively. Like Letico had just kind of took taken over the game and bringing in a guy with Champions experience like Phillips was um was lit. It was the was the only move really he could make on, on the game was kind of getting away from us. So um yeah, Phillips is um he's a short term he's a short term deal and. I think he'll go back in January. He'll go back to Liverpool. Probably get another move elsewhere to the Championship or, or somewhere else. But I think for the moment he's definitely a good option to call for um, in Europe, in particular when we're we're up against it. Um, he can come in and kind of uh, weather the storm a bit. But long term wise, I think Phillips go back in January and we have we've scales Carter Vickers, Naraki, and Lagerbelk, and then we kind of want to see Welsh Kobayashi go out on loan and um, and develop, but. Phillips has he's he's definitely looked more up to speed. He's had a couple of games. He's trained for a number of weeks now, and yeah, he's definitely an option um, off the bench in the Champions League. Or if we if we God forbid have another injury crisis centre back, he's he's there in case. I know I don't want another one of them for uh, quite some time, James. But I agree with that. I think that it gets to the point where you look at the successful loan deals um, for Liam Skills, the most recent one, of course, but also uh, Callum McGregor speaks about his time at North County and how um, beneficial that was to his career. And look at him now. We've seen it previously with Chris Ayer and Ryan Christie as well. And I think that um, when you look at Stephen Welsh, when he comes back in, if he's going to be out the picture, if he's going to be the fifth-choice centre-half, put him out on loan, get him games. And I think that it will benefit him to come back after half a season of first-team football. Brendan Rodgers obviously waits him. He's given him his new deal. It will be a short-term thing just to get him games in his legs. Now, Feed the Bear, thank you, as always, for supporting the channel. Um, obviously, what we have done over the last six and a half years now is built up a real community vibe uh, within not just YouTube, but elsewhere online and on the uh, live event circuit as well, where we actually get to meet people. And um, you're always faced with that same comment. You look completely different in real life. <laughs> I don't know if it's good, bad, if they expect me to be six foot five or four foot five, who knows? Um, but it's always great to, to hear from the people that you think you get to know online and then you meet them in person. I was just saying to James before we came on live here, we really are planning to come over to Ireland and do some live events over there as well. It's a completely different vibe that you get, but it's incredible to meet people who, for one way or another, have got into the Axon thing. And that's exactly what Jungle Lion has done very early in the chat on most days. Hatati probably out till the new year. Somebody to shine now. We will be talking about that one because Hatati was just coming into his form, James. You know, you've seen him... Um, at the beginning of the season, out of favour. David Turnbull starts the first game of the season and against Aberdeen up at Petodre. And when Hatati comes on against Aberdeen, he gets injured. He was just playing back into his top form. And then the stage was set the other night. You're thinking, this is going to be a great game for him. Three minutes in, and he pulls a hamstring. Nightmare for him. He was devastated. But Jungle Lions, right in what he says, it creates an opportunity for someone who steps in, as far as you're concerned, James. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, obviously really disappointed for Atate. I think um, he's obviously had a slow start to the season. I think Rogers kind of wanted more from him tactically. And we know the quality Atate has, but he was tend to give the ball away cheaply at times. But you can kind of sacrifice that for the the moments he brings um, in games where he can just kind of unlock a defence or, or go on a run and to score a cracking goal. It's just the way he is. He has that quality. Like, But um, you're really disappointed in that that he picked up that injury. But as they say, kind of injury creates opportunity and someone can come in now and really try to stake that place. I was imp- really impressed with Bernardo the other night. Um, I seen a stat on Twitter. I think it was, he had 44 pressures in the game, which is basically stopping or preventing a passing lane kind of, which and 44, it's pretty impressive over 90 minutes. Um, I, it kind of, um, it typified what I thought of the performance. I thought, kind of probably on the ball he didn't do as much as maybe he wanted to he didn't really get the chance to but off the ball he was excellent and his um, his defensive work really contributes to that two-all draw but yeah I think probably Pablo Bernardo um, or Paolo Bernardo sorry um, I think he'll he'll definitely come in probably Saturday and um, get a chance to show why um, he should be starting over at that maybe that's what he'll be thinking in his head but I think we've, we've home to come back in as well and yeah, David Turnbull. We've, we've options in midfield. It's just um, it's a matter of who Rogers will want to go with, and I think for the next run of games, it will be Bernardo, just based on how impressive he was on um, on Wednesday, and I, he's been uh, progressing really well for Portugal's under twenty ones as well. So he's um, he's on an upward trajectory definitely at the moment, Bernardo. Yeah, the thing is with regards to the uh, options that we've got in the midfield, it is one of those cliches, um, a good problem to have, uh, as they say, because obviously there's been points in the past where you might be forced to bring someone into the side and there's a drop in quality. But I do think we do have, um, at the moment, our our finest, strongest midfield when that trio is playing. However, if one of them has to drop out, you've got various different options available to you. You've got the, the kind of flair, I think, of David Turnbull, but you lack a bit of the defensive quality when he's in the side. He's one of those players that could um, pull something out the back 25 yards, 20 yards from goal. Not everybody can do that, and sometimes it's the only way you can break down a pack defence. Bernardo, I think, the other night was a bit of an unsung hero, you know, getting thrown into the game in the first five minutes, um, and I thought he really, he really done well. It was quite surprising when he came on, to be honest with you, but uh, he's obviously shown up well in training. He's been doing well for the Portuguese under-21 team. And I think he had a fantastic um, performance overall. I would have thought at the time maybe Awata, but if you were to bring Awata in, it's a change in style, isn't it? Because he's more of a defensive player. In saying that, he scored a cracking goal at Tynecastle. And, of course, you've already mentioned Holm, um, who, although he got some kind of early game time, he's kind of faded a wee bit from the start of loving. But I do think that long-term, um, he is definitely going to be one for the future. I think he's going to be, uh, for me, I think he's going to be a player that might even be looked upon as a long-term replacement for the captain. Um, and people might raise their eyebrows at that, but I think he's shown enough quality both defensively and going forward 
Um, I think a wee bit of indiscipline we've seen in the Champions League. Um, however, uh, you know, he's only 20 years of age and I'm pretty sure that'll get better. Joe, uh, the boys will be buzzing after Wednesday. They'll turn on the style again tomorrow. Let's hope that's the case. Joe and also James uh, Daly, I would like to thank Brother Alfred CFC in Stratford, London, for a great night watching the Champions League game on Wednesday. Big shout out. Carpenter's Arms Pub has now been introduced to Axon. James, that's what happens over the period of time. People introduce the channel uh, to others and it's continuing to grow. A uh, Celtic world, you're quite new to this game. I wouldn't suggest that you come in and start criticising other platforms. There's plenty of people listening, mate. Uh, 14.5 million, actually, at the last count. Probably not the best way to do that. Anyone who comes into the Celtic platform uh, or media game and starts this kind of nonsense, nonsense doesn't normally last that long. So maybe rethink your strategy on that one, buddy. Um, we've also got Barry O'Sullivan coming in. Really pleased with Wednesday's performance. We need to build on this for tomorrow. This should be our benchmark. And I think what we've done this season is we've had a horrendously tough away uh, set of fixtures as well, James. If you think about 10 games, six away games, Ibrox, Petaudry, uh, we've been to Fur Park, Tynecastle, what's coming up next? Easter Road, we've also been to the Tony Macaroni. Um, but what I've said before is Brendan Rodgers doesn't labour that, he just deals with it. And I would expect the exact same going to Edinburgh tomorrow as well, James. Yeah, I mentioned the the fixtures to my dad the other day and he, he kind of dismissed any of the conspiracy theories that we've got a tougher draw and then the other lot. But um yeah, I think we've we've obviously had a tough um a tough run of fixtures and I think Aberdeen trip to Aberdeen, trip to Ibrox, trip to Hearts, they're all knocked off now and um we can go into the next run of games full of confidence. But um yeah, Hibs Hibs on Saturday will obviously pose a different challenge, but I think Hibs and Hearts are kind of very similar at the moment. They're Say Hibs are probably in a better state with the manager they have, um, but they're kind of not really, um, not really in a great shape in terms of being able to challenge Celtic. And I think you have to expect um, you'd expect three points obviously for Celtic in every game, but I think in particular tomorrow you'll probably expect a, a similar game to Hearts. Um, they'll probably try go for it at home, and and hopefully we can take advantage of that. But um, yeah, Saturday definitely I think will. Um, We'd be hoping for another three points and as impressive a performance as hopefully as Hearts because Hearts away is obviously always a tough place to go and I thought we really dealt with that pressure and we were really impressive and we've dealt with kind of tough venues really well so far obviously Ibrox, um, Hearts away, Aberdeen away where there's kind of a steely resolve um, coming around this team being able to go to places and, and challenge even going to Rotterdam even though we lost but being able to have the confidence to play our game and um, yeah I think the there's definitely a resolve being built around us, um, being real around the team. No, you're, you're right. And I think some of these uh, fixtures, you go into them and the stats guys will tell you, why do you always call it a tough fixture? We always win there. And I get it. Um, but I think a, a big part of the Tynecastle fixture um, has always been that atmosphere. You're walking into an environment often that's been kind of toxic in the past, James. And, you know, what, what we have been talking about recently is ticket allocations. The club this morning has just released what we're getting for Ross County. It has been a, a big discussion point because because I think when you're looking at Scottish football, now you're over in Ireland and, you know, for many, many years, I just thought that there was always going to be a huge interest in Scottish football through, obviously, the Celtic connection. And I think over the years, for a number of reasons, 
Um, a lot of people are more interested in the English game over there, James. You can correct me if I'm wrong. And obviously, I've heard a lot of Irish fans saying that there's a lot of people wearing Liverpool, Man U, Spurs jerseys and all this kind of stuff. But I don't think the club um, herself has actually gone over there enough. You know, it used to be almost a, an annual thing. Pre-season, we would go over to Ireland, we'd play games, we'd meet our Irish fans. And I think you need to do that. You definitely need to do it. And it was great that we were able to go to the Aviva um, and play Wolves in the pre-season. But remember, that was due to the fact the game was actually cancelled over in South Korea. So when I look at the uh, the Irish fan base, I, I just don't think that we serve them uh, well enough. But the Scottish game has a hard enough time in terms of the image of the game, the brand of the game, without us shooting ourselves in the foot, James. And from afar, you might be looking at it thinking, why on earth are we getting less than 600 tickets for Tyne Castle? Why on earth is there a situation now where there's no fans at the Glasgow Derby? Um, and looking at it, it looks all a bit tin pot and amateurish, I'm guessing, from the outside looking in. What's your take on the ticket allocation fiasco? Yeah, versus touch on, um, you're talking about kind of the Irish fans, um, Celtic fans. I'd say the club has probably neglected kind of Irish fans over the past decade or so. Like there was a real, I think the start of the millennium, there was a real opportunity for Celtic to kind of really build a young fan base, Celtic fan base. Um, I think they kind of failed to do that. But even you're talking about the Wolves game, I think there was obviously came about because of the cancelled um, game in Korea. And like two weeks notice, and I think there was 29,000 people at the game, which is, it's kind of crazy for like, you give people two weeks notice and there's that many people at a, at a game. It just shows that the, the appetite is there. Like, And I just think, obviously, I think they're just kind of, neglecting it a bit and they're, they're not really capitalising on the huge kind of American opportunity they have like um, in terms of like Celtic support my age in Ireland I'd probably be the anomaly kind of supporting Celtic to be most of my friends would be supporting kind of United Liverpool the usual suspects like and um, yeah kind of it's it's an opportunity that Celtic um, as a club will kind of fail to grasp with the Irish support but um, even I think Liam Scales obviously Coming from League of Ireland, a lot of Irish fans follow his progress, and that's um, it's really been an inspiration for a lot of Irish Irish players and Irish fans at the moment. They're kind of really looking at Liam Scales and seeing that there is a pathway to Celtic there to get yeah. into the first team. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, to touch on the ticket allocation, kind of, I'm obviously kind of coming from the outside looking in on it, and um, it is it's a bit mad, like to be honest with the the amount of tickets that they got for the weekend and the amount of empty seats Hearts obviously had them leaving early it's just kind of crazy like it's the Scottish game obviously it's it's just slightly toxic with like you've got Celtic Rangers you've got Hibs Hearts you've got Celtic Hearts it's um it's a uh, there's a lot of tensions there like um so but I think if if they really if we really want Scottish football to kind of shine and really develop you'll need you need bums on seats like that's kind of the the end goal and I think they really need to sort out the whole um, allocation the allocation rails over um, with, the, with the various clubs. like You, you know, there, there are a, a lot of different reasons why the Scottish game is top down. Um, and I just think that when we're giving people uh, an open goal to have a dig at the game, it's unfortunate. And that, that's really what I want to focus on with regards to that. But I mean, I've, I've mentioned time and time again about the fact that we need to definitely ensure that we come to Ireland uh, on an annual basis. And people say, you know, that it, the fixtures would be uh, very, very difficult. You know what? Since the qualification for the Champions League um, has been 
you know, directly into the groups rather than a number of different qualification rounds. Um, I think that's been a, a poor excuse and one that we can't really uh, pin our, our colours to. With regards to who plays in the game, a Celtic side of some description. And I think that when we uh, look at the, the B team and the fact that it's very, very difficult for young players to break through from the B team to the first team, um, it's almost impossible, actually, at this moment in time because of playing fifth tier. There needs to be a situation where we can take Celtic sides, um, which could be a, a hybrid of, of young players, fringe players, or one or two coming back from injury. And we could come over to Ireland quite easily. It wouldn't be that difficult to, to organise. Mikey Boy, supporting the channel, and I really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much for that. And if you also want to support some of the charities that are involved in then please check out the links underneath this video. There's a massive charity ball tomorrow night for wee Jamie Tierney, um, who is fighting Duchenne muscular dystrophy. We will be in Glasgow on Tuesday night with uh, um, special guests, ex-Celtic players, including Pierre Van Hooydonk and George Cadet, who are flying over from uh, Amsterdam and Lisbon, respectively. And we'll be doing a wee charity drive there for wee Jamie as well. Um, and we'll keep pushing that as long as we possibly can to help Jamie and his family. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Brendan Monaghan, please do come to Ireland. We're definitely coming to Ireland. There's no doubt about it. There's so many people asking. It's just a case of getting the logistics right. And uh, Barry O'Sullivan, uh, the biggest compliment you can give Brendan is that we just don't talk about Ange. We've come a long way. Yeah, we definitely have. Uh, we have James, uh, sorry, John Clements. Uh, Paul John, tell James he needs to, to face the window or shut the curtain and put the big light on. The thing is, though, uh, if you were to do that now, James, it's like you're buckling to the pressure. Um, obviously, yeah. this is now this is now what people expect of you, the shamrock shadow. <laughs> I was given the tag shamrock shadow, so I have to kind of embrace it now and, and keep it up like... You do. I mean, I could send over a wee light. I think Jerry was going to send one over to you as well. But you know what? It's one of the things. We've got contributors from Ireland, Japan, New Zealand now, um, as well in Australia. And it's great, actually, to be able to to bring everybody to the, the discussion. Sometimes uh, the sound or the Wi-Fi or the picture uh, can falter a wee bit. But what we're doing here, actually, keep your, uh, your eyes peeled for a different look on this particular show. We've now been running the Axon Bulletin for three and a half years. Never missed a beat every weekday and every single match day as well. Uh, but as you've maybe heard, I'm now in my own wee studio here and we're going to change the way that this all looks so it looks less less like a, a business call and more like a, a studio environment. So keep your eyes peeled. As soon as I figure out how to use the tech, um, it will look different. Double Denim, big supporter of the channel. Always great to see you. Happy Friday all. Looking forward to domestic action tomorrow. Hope we don't have to deal with the cliched European hangover and can build on that superb performance by trouncing the high bees. Um, yes, I mean, in terms of these away games, it has been a very tough run of fixtures, but the way that I'm um, able to, to deal with that, James, is I'm saying to myself, well, we're going to have a good run of home fixtures, you know, following it as well. But every single challenge that we've had put in front of us, we have overcome it. Now, Jungle Lion comes in to say, non-Celtic fans in Ireland think Scottish football is a joke. Well, we're not helping it, are we? And I'm not, I don't mean Celtic. I mean, you know, the, the authorities. Uh, Pete McGee points out rightly that we all know how this ticket fiasco started. Um, and it was obviously Rangers that started the ticket allocation fiasco, and it is continuing. Uh, Joe Hamilton wouldn't recognise you in real life, James. Um, interesting, eh? it really is. But you know what? This is uh, part of the fun 
It definitely is part of the fun of being on the stream. And Martin Davey, you can move Calmac to the eight and put Awata to the number six. Right, okay, we'll be talking about how we're going to line up tomorrow. Um, I don't think there is any changes happening in the back five. Um, you know, you said earlier on that Greg Taylor seems to be the go-to guy for criticism. And I can see it the other night. He, he was the man that gave away the penalty. He was also the closest defender um, to the cross ball, which could have been snuffed out a wee bit sooner. In fairness to him, I think he was doubled up on at that stage. But he did make that pass uh, down to Maeda, down the left wing, to to set up Palmer's goal, James. And it's easy to focus on you know, little things that he's done wrong. Let's not forget he's had two brilliant seasons in a Celtic jersey and an inverted fullback role bit of a revelation in there, actually. And he's still doing things like he did the other night, setting up the secondary assist for uh, Palmer's goal. Um, is he getting too much of a hard time, in your view? Um, I think since I think start of the season, Taylor obviously started slow. And new system, new manager, it's kind of expected. Um, but I think since Rodgers has kind of let him roam into the inverted role more and it's really helped him. Like He looks more at home there, obviously. He's used to playing playing there under Ange um, and there's been never really been any doubts about Greg Taylor's ball retention like it was probably suspect at the start of the season he's playing more as a wing back but as that inverted wing back um, his his passing and his, his ball retention has always been uh, very good like and we've seen that the pass to Maida on Wednesday was an outstanding pass like to be able to find Maida in that space and I think there's obviously there's doubts about Taylor's defence ability, ability at times um, in particular, his kind of physical attributes um, leave a lot to be desired. And I think when you're playing against, you're playing in Europe, you're playing against teams with pacey wingers that are big, strong, quick. And I think they kind of can get the best bet, the better Taylor, which is, it's not something you want going into a, a European game or a European campaign. You want, you want kind of strong fullbacks that let, um, in, in terms of uh, their physical attributes as well. And um, I think that's probably Taylor's biggest deficiency is is his pace and his strength. And it's it's not really something he can do a whole lot about. It's just kind of something Celtic will have to deal with. And we've, we've obviously Maida on that left side that will compensate. He'll track back. He he works um, works tirelessly. Um, and yeah, but I just think there's there's definitely probably scope for improvement at left back. Obviously, Bernabe is he's kind of off the boil, but Taylor. Um, there's definitely it's a split in fan opinion over him, but um, I think I think Atletico Madrid probably got a bit of a, a bit of a kind of um, raw deal really. He obviously set up the goal and the penalty is harsh, but um, I think going forward in the future we'll definitely we didn't we need someone kind of compete with him for that spot. Um, ideally someone um probably better kind of physically in terms of pace and strength, um, but in terms of domestically. Taylor at that left back position, I think his his ability to invert and his ability to find them passes in the final third is really useful domestically, and hopefully we can see that on Saturday again. You know, when when I'm looking at the the whole makeup of uh, how we have approached the recruitment, which has come under focus and come under the microscope, even the other night there where you're thinking two or three more players of real quality makes a massive difference to that to that side and the way that Brendan's able to deal with what he's got and develop obviously and improve um, the players that he has at his disposal. I think that it wasn't a case of us not identifying it James, you know, and I, and I say this we've gone in and, and we've shelled out for Burnaby, so in terms of the, the investment for Celtic, it's a decent investment. If you look at that kind of £4 million area in terms of a player coming in, 
Who have we bought around about that? Well, Starfield was four and a half, Kyogo four and a half, Naroki 4.3. And then you've got Burnaby just under four million. So it's a decent enough investment. Good age profile in the player. First ever Argentinian to play for Celtic. But it's just not worked out. And uh, so we knew and we identified that we needed to strengthen that area of the park, albeit to challenge um, Greg Taylor because he played really, really well under Ange for two seasons. And he's not made that challenge. He's no longer even an option off the bench. So I think that it will get to that point where you've just got to like uh, look at the fact that it's not worked out for Bernabe. You move him on. I don't even think it's a loan deal. Um, I don't like loan deals, James, where you're just putting somebody another team to run down their contract. I like the ones where you're you're actually reinventing a player or you're getting the game time into their legs. They can come back and be an asset. So Bernabe, I think, would need to leave and, and we bring in someone who's going to really challenge Greg Taylor in, in the left-back position. We were in a situation for a long time where we didn't have quality at right-back. Um, and I, I think there's an argument to be made that you know even from Mika Lustig leaving the club, there was a... There was a whole host of right-backs that came in and you just knew it wasn't going to be the, the long-term um, answer. Um, quite a few of them just weren't up to scratch. Christian Gamboa uh, being in amongst that. Uh, John Joe Kenny, obviously, was one of the uh, the guys you'll remember. Elhad, Elhamid, um, Jeremy Frimpong, Maurice Bauer, all these guys came in. And eventually, we got to a position where we had three really good right-backs with Juranovic, um, Ralston and, and Johnson we need to get to a similar situation at the left I think we're really struggling if we get an injury on the left I've heard a lot of people saying that if it was to happen um, or maybe Scales is the option and I don't really agree with that James because what I've seen from Scales is that part of the, the reason he's playing so well is because he's playing in his best position now I know you followed his career before he came to Celtic what's your thoughts on that in terms of people saying he can just play left back if, if Taylor gets injured yeah, um, Liam, obviously, he would have played um, kind of left wing back even for Rovers um, in the season before he moved to Celtic. At times, he can he can kind of do either left centre back, left back, left wing back. Um, but I think even you've seen him, Stephen Kenny kind of played him as a left back in the last international break in the first half. He was obviously, he was fine, but he's, he's just not a left back. He's way more comfortable and way more suited to that left centre back role and when he stepped in there in the second half against Greece, um, he looked a lot more comfortable and um, was one of the best performers. But uh, yeah, listen, I think Liam Scales, he's, he's left centre back. I think kind of notions around that he can he can fill in at left back. But I think bringing him in there as kind of a long term um, a long term competitor for Taylor just isn't the right move. I think you want to play your players in the best positions, and um, Scales' best position is left centre back. But just to touch on kind of the the left back situation. There's obviously um, young Mitchell Frame there, um, 17, mm. um, was wanted by Brighton Newcastle, hosting English clubs. Um, so surprisingly kept him. I was kind of surprised with the 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 amount of academy players that are kind of leaving to England and elsewhere. And um, definitely, I think I'd love to see him involved. Obviously, a bit of a long shot, but um, with that kind of left back situation, Burnaby's kind of out in the cold. We can't bring in anyone till January in these kind of domestic games where we probably can rotate, probably not this early on in the season, but maybe in a month or two, you're kind of playing someone at home um, that you maybe think we can rotate and would, could he be given a chance? Um, but yeah, I think for the moment, it's it's kind of Taylor's the only only player there really that is the, is an option and um, it's a position in January that we really need to strengthen. But um, yeah, Liam, I think Liam Scales, he's, he's a left centre-back. He's 
yeah. he can definitely be a left back, but no more than that, in my opinion. I think the the question was asked. Um, we've got the the press conference when he first joined. It's up on the YouTube channel. Check it out. Um, and he was asked the question because I remember he, he got the number five jersey. Um, and he was asked the question about his best position, and that's where he wanted to play. I don't think I need to double check. I don't think he played many games at left centre back for Antipostokoglu. I remember a substitute appearance when he came in, uh, but he didn't get that one of games. I think that's a massive part of his development under Brendan Rodgers. Now, Derek, guys, do we have to wait for injuries or being comfortably ahead in a game before giving some of our untested players a chance to prove themselves? Um, there's a few guys in that uh, bracket I would suggest. I'm going to be asking James about Mikey Johnson, who obviously has done really well since um, getting his first game for Ireland under Stephen Kenny. He's now had six appearances, scoring two goals and getting a man-of-the-match performance. So he's one of the, those players, I guess, who's he's actually never kicked a ball, James, under Brendan Rodgers. Now, do we write him off? Has he had enough chances? Where are you with Mikey Johnson? Yeah, obviously, Mikey kind of broke on the scene. Um, what was it, kind of under the end of Rogers' reign, start of Lennon's reign. Um, I remember going to see him. I went to see Celtic Ren, Europa League. I think it was under Neil Lennon um, at home. I think we won maybe 3-1, 4-1. I think Mikey scored one or two goals. And he just really excited me at the time. He just looked like he was going to be a Celtic player. And obviously, mm. injuries haven't helped. Um, I think... He's a, he's, a, he's a good attitude, Mikey, and I think it's definitely nothing to do with his kind of off-the-field behaviour or anything like that. I think it's he's just been really unfortunate injuries and he's he's so much talent and it's kind of frustrating. I think, obviously, the Andrew's first season, he obviously was given kind of some chances and didn't impress, but he just kind of looked like a player under pressure. He needed that move, obviously, to Vittoria de Guimaraes in Portugal. And... Yeah. Um, he kind of even I followed his kind of long journey there and he kind of it's similar to since when he was at when he played for Celtic under Ange just kind of just glimpses of brilliance and not enough consistency and I think that's probably going to be his that's going to be kind of the tale of his Celtic career Um I hope it's not I hope he does a lean scales and he proves me wrong but um I think if you look compare him to Jamie Forrest is there is there a huge difference in ability there I'd kind of I'd argue that I think Forrest's brilliant stalwart to the club. Um, I think he definitely still has a role to play in this current Roger and current Celtic team, but I kind of doubt that there's that big of ability um, gap between the two that there that he, he doesn't deserve to be in any match day squads. But yeah, I think it's if Celtics a lot of Celtic fans will have written him off, and I think that's kind of it's fair enough um, considering the career he's had at Celtic so far. Brilliant player on his day, so much talent, but I think. Just for the betterment of his career, I think he needs a move. Um, we I hate saying that about Celtic players because obviously you want to you want to have mm. your best players at the club, but I think he's a guy that just needs a move. He needs consistent game time, um, because he's he's so much talent, and I'd I'd hate to see him not kind of reach that potential that he shown early in his Celtic career. Yeah, twenty four now, James. He can't be sitting kicking his heels. You know, at this stage of the season, he's not played a game of football for for Celtic, and I know why people would say, you know move on. We've got other players. We've got Yang, obviously, looking to break into the team. We've got a player in Marco Tilio who's not yet made an appearance due to him having an injury when he came to the club. And, of course, we've got Rocco Vata, who hasn't had a look in yet. Now, Daniel F., what an offer this is. I'll come and give the Axum Shudu a makeover. Did interior design at uni well? The situation, if you want to look at the streams, two weeks ago on the Monday I was in the old place 
um, in Dalkeith and on the Tuesday I was here. So obviously quick turnaround and gradually what we'll be doing is uh, we'll get all the uh, equipment up to speed because we are using temporary a temporary setup at the moment and then slowly but surely you will see a change to what is being described as a prison cell. Um, how do you know it isn't? Maybe that's what's happened. Um, and I've got my one-hour online uh, access, access every day. Danielle, give me your um, advice. Give me your ideas about what should be behind us here. And as I say, the look of the actual the, the screen is going to be completely different. When we did uh, our very first stream, I always remember doing that. And um, it was during the pandemic. And I think um, until recently, 147 people had viewed that particular stream. They were just trying something new. It seemed to catch the imagination because no one was able to leave the house. 12.30 was a good time for it. Um, and we just stuck with the kind of look that we had. And obviously, there has been a great number of uh, similar shows launched since then. So we're going to change it. It's going to still be 12.30, the bulletin, every single day for an hour. But the look of it is going to be rather different to what you see here. I'm going to miss that background with the tickets, but um, there you go. You've got to keep moving, haven't you? Uh, Mickey Boy, nice, exciting axiom, a new look will be class. Yes, absolutely. We also do a lot of the uh, fully produced videos, so check them out. Uh, every Monday, I wander around paradise, as well as an interview recently with Fran Alonso that was really good, that Jerry did. We spoke to Willie Hockey recently. And next week, I will be interviewing Pierre Van Hoydonk and George Cadet. We're going to get them round the table we're going to have the cameras set up and we're going to do an interview that will be on the channel by the end of next week. What would you like to ask Pierre and George? There you go. Let us know in the comments section. I'm going to be meeting the guys up at Don Max um, before the bar opens and we're going to do a sit-down interview for an hour. That's going to be very, very interesting. James, I know it's probably more your dad's era, uh, but these were players that were coming in at a time when Celtic squads were largely made up of homegrown players. Um, I mean, if you go back to the centenary season, for example, uh, we had obviously um, Irish internationalists on that side as well, um, which is probably why I started watching the Ireland team and supporting the Ireland team at that time with Chris Morris, Mick McCarthy, Pat Bonner. Um, and then moving into Tommy Burns coming in as a manager, we started to sign more uh, continental overseas players. Rudy Vatter was already at the club, of course, but Van Hoydonk came in, Cadet, Andy Tom, Paolo Di Canio, I know a lot of people don't like him, uh, but as a player, he was an exciting player. And now you look at the makeup of the squad and there's a huge amount of players from all over the world. But that was the beginning, really, of that becoming the norm. And it's going to be a very interesting interview with Big Pierre and George Cadet. What would you like me to ask them? Because this is going to be a pre-recorded interview. It's not going to be live. You won't be able to come in and ask the questions at the time. Uh, what should we ask them on the day? And the best questions... I will ask them at the end of the interview, and I'll give you the credit for it as well. Let us know in the comments section. Now, Studs Lanigan, County Donegal is a Celtic fort. Um, I think what it is, is we just need to continually go in and engage with our Irish fans. Uh, be that every single year we're a game, every year with one of these conventions that we should be doing uh, over in Ireland, the club really need to do that. The Urban Culture, I was amazed at numbers on the train from Sligo to the Wolves game. Loads got on at every station. We need to go and we need to supply them with their fix of Celtic. Um, Shane Rooney says, plenty of Celtic supporters in Monaghan as well. And Daniel El Hamid was a player, just couldn't settle due to family. Absolutely. He was one of the guys that really was hit hard during the pandemic. 
um, as well with regards to not being able to see his family. Uh, Tony Cassidy, um, I guess new tech means green screen or blue screen or whatever it's called. I think Hamish used to use it, not sure. What we're going to go for, Tony, is a proper studio setup. So we'll be sitting in a wee studio. I'll be presenting the show from that and we'll be using the proper um, cameras rather than uh, kind of GoPro webcams, whatever. And then obviously we'll dial in our contrib- contributors from all over the world. So we won't miss a beat, but it will look a little bit different. And let's not forget Jeremy Frimpong, uh, Pete McGee. You're absolutely right. He was a phenomenal talent. I'm not sure he was a great defender, to be fair, but he was a right back. Uh, Studs Lanigan, please do, Danielle, because it reminds me of a prison cell. Okay. Thank you very much for all your feedback. We take it all on board. Um, now, when we're talking about uh, the game the other night, I-, I think it would be remiss of us, James, to talk about that match and not mention the contribution, not just for the game, but all season, of Matt O'Reilly, um, who is now gaining uh, traction uh, of the likes of Fabrizio Romano, who is a Sky Sports um He's got a high profile. Uh, He's a personality online and he breaks a lot of transfer stories, etc. What I didn't want to see from Fabrizio Romano is a picture of Matt O'Reilly and a suggestion that uh, obviously the Vultures will be circling Celtic Park. We know that. We absolutely know that. Every single time we've got a real talent on our hands, we know that we're going to have to bat away big bids. What I found interesting, though, is that he said if he was to leave Celtic, it would be a Scottish record fee. Now, we know that Kieran Tierney went to Arsenal for £25 We know that Jota went to Saudi for £25 Fabrizio Romano is suggesting here, James, that he's worth more than that. What's your take on it? Yeah, listen, Matt O'Reilly's obviously had a brilliant season. Um, Rodgers, I think there was a lot of talk at the start of the season that Rodgers would help kind of um, our midfielders kind of go to the next level, i.e. O'Reilly, Atate, um, kind of similar to what he done with Armstrong when he came in, Ryan Christie then near the end of his reign. But yeah, O'Reilly, he's a kind of, I've seen that um, Twitter post by Fabrizio Romano and I'm, I'm convinced he's a Rangers supporter at this stage with the kind of the amount of, amount of tweets I see him of him kind of promoting Celtic players that seemingly trying to get them a move Um because I, I heard in a podcast that uh, players to kind of get in contact with him and ask them ask him to kind of um, tweet about him or whatever. Hopefully Matt O'Reilly isn't doing that. I doubt he is. But um, yeah, I, um, I think Tierney was obviously the British record 25. I think we should be looking for plus 30 plus for Matt O'Reilly. Um, one thing that a lot of people kind of um, probably have forgotten, I know he's Danish international now, but he's um, homegrown in England. So if an English team wants to buy him, they won't have to register him as a foreign player, which is kind of a big reason why a lot of the English players go for the big fees. Um, so Matt O'Reilly kind of is a, he's a, a lot of benefits in terms of that as well. And there'll be Premier League teams kind of sniffing all over him, I think, in the summer, unfortunately for us. Um, but yeah, even kind of with that, with that added fact that he's obviously homegrown in England and will count as a homegrown player for Premier League teams, we should be looking for 30 million plus definitely and listen hopefully you can keep it up it's we're obviously only kind of just past the halfway point of um the first kind of six months of the season and hopefully you can keep that up right until the end of the season because if he does um there'll be some some uh, some really big clubs interested in him in the summer unfortunately for us and listen hopefully we can we can benefit off the back of his performances and um, with some results some more results in Europe and um and yeah. 
You know, when I think about it, I sometimes loathe to discuss the day, when that day comes that a player leaves Celtic. I want to keep our best talent. And I remember Colin Watt and I did a show. We were in Stirling one day um, where we used to record and the guest couldn't make it, so we had a one-hour slot. And obviously you're getting charged by the hour, so we said, we'll just do a a greatest of loving over the last 10 years. Uh, We were obviously short of ideas and we ran with that. But what came out of it, James, was... Um, all the players that we mentioned, of course, were relatively recent. And when you looked at the best 11 that we could have pulled together, they were all still, let's say, in the peak at the peak of their powers. And you looked at the team and thought, wow, we could have really made a dent in Europe. Now, I know that the, the strategy, the whole process is that we buy to sell a getter, which means that the crossover of a Matt O'Reilly with you know, an Edson, uh, Odson Edward and a Moussa Dembe, it's not going to happen because they're all going to be moving out that uh, revolving door. And that that's frustrating for me as a Celtic fan. I'd love to have a plan that's more than 18 months. I'd love to have a plan that's more than three years where we can assemble a, a group of players, keep them together with a manager like Brendan Rodgers or Ange Postecoglou and really see what they can do in Europe. Will that happen in my lifetime? Probably not. I mean, you just have to look at the uh, pre-season there. We have lost two first-team players, Carol Starfelt and Jota, Jota being the biggie, of course. And all you need to do is go down the, the transfer windows. And, you know, we've done it a, a hell of a lot of the time, haven't we? We've done it with Kieran Tierney, right back to Aidan McGeady, Victor Wanyama, big, big players, Chris Ayer, who leave the club and they go to Pastures New and they do something like Van Dijk and win European Cups and they win English titles, etc., um, so I hate talking about it because I'd much rather keep all these guys and see what they can do for our team. Um, but when Matt O'Reilly's putting in those performances in the Champions League and he's winning the player of the match, it's only a matter of time uh, before the big, big clubs, and, I, and I'm using big club in comparison to the offer we already had from, from Leeds for £10 million. Once they start throwing their heart into the ring, it's very difficult for a club like Celtic. And what I mean by that is the uh, financial restrictions of Scottish football to hold on to the talent. So I'm going to enjoy him while he is here. Um, and we've got uh, Brian Mitchell as well. The thoughts of Pierre and George on Fergus McCann will be fascinating. Yes, they will. Uh, obviously, I've seen during the week there that there's going to be a two-part Fergus McCann documentary coming up on the BBC, um, which I think will be a tremendous watch. So check it out. Um, it was uh, mentioned on the social media channels. What will Pierre and George think of Fergus? Well, I'll ask the question. Absolutely. And Lovett says, whatever happened with the Ty Tim's connection, used to enjoy news about the charity. So did I. You haven't heard for a long time, actually. What is the story with that? Let us know in the comments. Someone out there watching Axon will know or might even have connections to uh, the organisation at the Ty Tim's. But you did. You did see that. Yeah, there was the music. There was the book and uh, various videos coming through, and it's uh, always great to see um, as well. Mikey Boy, Caesar lifting the big one should be the backdrop where we're going to have a bit of scope. It's not going to have to be a tiny wee screen like this, so we could have um, a bit of creativity in here. We've got a nice blank canvas to work from, and as I say, I like your suggestions, so keep them coming. And John Watson, this is an interesting one, John. Ask Pierre Van Hoydonk if he can still not live on 7K a week. James, what this refers to, right, is when he, he became a contract rebel, um, him, Cadet eventually, Decanio, they were branded the Three Amigos by Fergus McCann, right? So they all had their, 
their arguments and they all had their little problems with Fergus McCann and their contracts. Pierre van Hoydonk's issue was that he was, as I said before, he was the first of the big kind of names to come from uh, elsewhere. He came in from NAC Breda and he organised his contract at that time. Apparently, there was a, an agreement, a verbal agreement, that if he did well, they would look at it, he'd get an improvement, etc. And in the interim, we brought in guys like Andy Tom, George Cadet, Van Hoydonk, who were on bigger wages than, than no Van Hoydonk, sorry, De Canio, who were on bigger wages than Pierre. So Pierre wanted to, to match those wages. And I think the argument was he wanted to go from seven to 15 grand a week. Now, we're talking the mid-90s, 96, 97, going into that kind of period. And uh, McCann put the block on it. And there was an infamous interview. Uh, and I think it was a daily record. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was one of the, the red tops in Scotland here, James. And the headline was that seven grand, um, I'm paraphrasing, uh, is maybe good enough for the homeless, but not for a professional footballer, right? And a horrible, horrible thing to say. But the question that has been raised since then, John, and this is where it's going to be interesting on Tuesday night when I have an audience with Pierre, because I will ask him. Um, Pierre says he never said that. He never, ever said that. Now, obviously, this is in the days of newspapers, James. You're in the journalistic world and things are different. Just about everything that you do will be recorded in some kind of device. Um, but Pierre says he didn't say anything about the homeless. What he said is that uh, a footballer seven grand a week isn't isn't sufficient for his level of football or someone along those lines. I'm going to ask Pierre, but he denies it, James. So, John, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a controversial subject. And uh, I'm going to be asking Pierre what he says. Thomas, ask Pierre if his son is going to sign for Celtic in January. Um, Sydney Van Hooydonk. And Pete McGee, George Cadet, had the best song ever. I'm not going to give you a rendition of it, not today anyway. Uh, we're going to move into look at the uh, game at Easter Road tomorrow. It's on at three o'clock, obviously. And that means that there's no PPV. Um, it's not going to be screened on any of the broadcasters. It will be on Celtic TV. Um, outside of the UK, you'll be able to watch that. So, James, you can watch it on Celtic TV. Three o'clock kickoff in Edinburgh. How do you see that one going, James? They've obviously already changed their manager this season and uh, they've had a bit of topsy-turvy one so far in this campaign. Brendan Rodgers goes there, I think, fully confident after three particularly good performances. Um, I'm looking for a win. I'm hoping it's convincing. How do you see it going? Yeah, obviously he was bad at uh, Montgomery. Um, Aussie kind of probably taking inspiration from Celtic a bit. Um, but yeah, Hibs... Um, kind of having a mixed bag of a season so far um, the likes of kind of I'd say they're probably a more uh, attacking threat than Hearts um, in terms of you obviously got Yuan on the wing um, French guy and then you've got um, the Dutch guy up top they bought I think during the summer he's um, he's looked quite dangerous but yeah it's it's kind of business as usual we, um, we'll be expecting another three points and um, another performance to match the one on Wednesday which will be tough to do but um we're obviously going to be going in really confident. And um, this kind of this team at the moment under Rogers, it's it's on an upward trajectory. It's got kind of better each week. The last past um, or the past month, it gets better. And um, yeah, we're really kind of starting to gel as a team now. There's a, it's obviously I thought they injured you the night, but there was a real settled look to that team with um, the three in midfield. Obviously, I thought they, O'Reilly, McGregor, and then Palma, Moira, Kyogo. There's um. And then with the back line as well, obviously that's that's settled. But 
there's just kind of a real um kind of settled look to the the team now and um kind of would be going into the Hibs game really confident and uh, I'd be surprised if Rogers made any changes. I don't think he'll rotate. Um, maybe St Mirren next Wednesday could be an option for him to rotate. But no, I think this and Saturday will obviously be another test going to Easter Road. It's a tough place to go, but we've we went to Ibrox, we went to Pataji, we went to Tynecastle, we've overcame them all. So um, yeah, listen, hopefully hoping for another three points and a performance as good as Wednesday, which will be, it'll be tough to do, but hope here's hoping. Yeah. Here, here is hoping indeed after that of course we've got um, the, our next league matches against St Mirren followed by another away day at Ross County so they just keep coming thick and fast I think uh, Brennan Rogers spoke about 21 games um, in 7 weeks that's astonishing isn't it no 21 games that would be a wee bit too many 7 games in 21 days uh, the joy the days. super computer yeah the super exactly the super computer completely random um, super computer Oh, absolutely, of course it is. Martin Davy um, confirms that it was a daily record who ran that story. Um, it'd be interesting. I'm going to have a look at the archives to see who the journalist was. But Pierre states that he was misquoted. Um, Durban culture. Here's one for us, uh, kind of old school. Bring back cell block H. I know what you're talking about now. I'll tell you what. That was some theme tune as well. Um, maybe it would have been more for me more appropriate last season with the Australian connection. But there you go. A lot of things have been said, um, quite rightly so, about the Palestinian display, the flags being waved uh, in Paradise Southern Night. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with regards to UEFA and fines, etc. We've had our say on it. Um, but what I want to do is also have a wee look on the Axon blog. Uh, I wrote about 5,000 words on flags and uh, how the Celtic board, certainly in the past, have fought for a right to fly flags. Um, so I will read it out on axom.net. But what I want to do is I want to focus on uh, something else the Green Brigade have been up to. Uh, so they have revealed that their most recent drive for food banks resulted in seven vans of food, seven vans full of food and over 12,000 quid in donations. So let's focus on that. Let's focus on the incredible charitable work that the Green Brigade have done because I think that over the last uh, wee well, there's been plenty of people, certainly in the media, on social media as well, who want to stick the boot in to Celtic fans. And they want to stick the boot in, in particular, to our ultra group, the Green Brigade. So massive, massive congratulations and well done uh, to everybody involved there. Let's take the positives from that. Thank you, every single one of you, for joining us in the chat. Um, we are going to get some kind of uh, glow stick or even a light over to James um, so that the silver shadow comments will not continue, although the nickname will uh, remain. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. If you want to come and see us with Martin O'Neill, I think there's maybe 20 or 30 tickets still available over the weekend. If you're in the Dundee or the Dumfries area, the ticket links are under the video. Thank you all for joining us. Join us again half an hour before kickoff tomorrow on a Celtic State of Mind.
Social Podcast Network.